Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The delicious ice-cold taste of Dr. Pepper has a lasting effect on people. Lindsay from Sacramento said, Pro tip, 40 degrees is the perfect temperature for an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. Why is 40 degrees the perfect temperature for Dr. Pepper? We brought in Sue from Duluth, Minnesota to tell us. Oh, yeah, I know a thing or two about cold. Oh, that right there is the perfect kind of ice-cold for Dr. Pepper. Mm, I'd share that with my friend Nancy. She likes Dr. Pepper, too, you know. My cold All right, that'll be all, Sue. Having a perfect temperature for your Dr. Pepper, it's a Pepper thing. Inspired by real fan posts. Hello, everyone. Oh, I thought you were continuing on. Was I? I don't know. I had nothing left to say. Uh, hi, everyone out there in the in the stratosphere. How are we doing today? Welcome to Broadway Breakdown. I'm going to keep talking because John just thinks I'm going to keep talking. Well, you normally do when you start, but I also like that we've started the podcast by you saying, I have nothing else to say. So thank you so much for listening today. Please like and subscribe. Um, this, um, this, this episode's been... brought to you by... Uh, Squarespace. Squarespace. Ooh, I love me some Squarespace. <laughs> mm, squatty potty used by every chorus boy in Moulin Rouge. Anyway. Well, well, I am one half of your hosts, Matt Koplick. And I'm the other half of your host, John Miscavige. As you can see, the banter, the banter is just flowing out the of banter. us. The banter. The banter is bountiful. <laughs> it truly is. How are you doing today, Matthew? I'm doing quite well, actually. It's been a pretty good week. Uh... First of all, I have a question for you. Have you watched Sex Education on Netflix? No, but I saw that you were posting about it, and I feel like other people have been posting about it recently. It's been it's been on for a couple seasons, right? This is their second season. They just released it, uh, I want to say, within the last like three or four weeks. Wait, maybe I'm thinking of a different show. Sex is such is Sex Education, the one where it's like more documentary style, and not no. the one about. Is, is it the one where it's like? The like eighteen or nineteen hundred. Yeah. Okay, that's no, 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 the eighteen, eighteen, nineteen hundreds. No, I thought you were, I thought it was like eighteen, nineteen year olds. No, it's Sex Education is a British show. Oh, then no, I'm your I'm your thinking... heater's also like sizzling at us. Yeah, because it's like ooh, sex, sexy. It's like mm, it's a sizzle. it's a British show uh, about high school kids, and the main character is a sixteen year old boy whose mom is a sex therapist, and he basically sets up counseling at his school with another girl where he gives sex advice to to students oh i no i have no idea what this is <laughs> oh okay i've I complete i wasn't there a show that was on showtime or I something complete, a couple i misunderstood the assignment is yeah that... yeah i think i showtime? misunderstood the assignment showtime what? there were there was some kind of sex education show that was either on showtime or hbo uh, in the last couple of years and it was about it was in like the 18 or 1900s people I know you know what I'm talking about it was this show that people uh, the scientist basically was saying you know sex is good and they were like no it can't be and he was like I shall show you how not masters of sex I think that's what I was thinking so that wasn't the 18 or 1800s it was it like was in the 1960s it was like 1960s so that, gives, that should tell you guys who John is it was 2023 yeah. it was um, before 1987 so John is like I mean it was like essentially 1742 yeah all time is the same dinosaurs yeah. were around yeah master of sex I mean it's it's. I mean no it's not the same sex education so it takes place mostly in a high school but I, so I watched like the first season and thought it was it was like fun it was okay um, the second season is 
just fantastic. And it's mm. the show itself is very informative about the various forms of sexuality. They've yet to really touch on gender mm. um, and the fluidity of gender, but I'm sure that'll be season three. Mm. Um, and this, I mean, the main theme of the show is essentially just how like it all boils down to communication mm. because we repress so much of w- what we're feeling and what we want and what we don't want because for so long we've been told like sex is... If, we've just kind of come around to the fact that sex isn't dirty, but we are still coming to terms with the idea that like sex is something to discuss. Yeah, being sex positive. Yeah, and mm-hmm. non-judgmental. Um, everyone like has their thing, and it's you know it's about being very open about it and exploring why it is that you want this or don't want this. Why like there's one girl who uh, she's she just really wants to lose her virginity like so badly. And her name she is fin- Matt Coplick. Her name is Matt Coplick. Um, I have a friend who uh, really mm-hmm. wants to lose the virginity. Mm. No, and she like the moment finally comes, and her vagina just like shuts down, like it, it closes up shop, mm. and she doesn't know why. And so the uh, it's it's a true medical condition. I forget the actual name of it, but it's like something mm-hmm. vaginal, something or other. Um, but it is essentially mental. It's there's there's something in your subconscious that is keeping your body closed off from the idea of sex for some reason. Sure. Um, and most of season two is her figuring out why that is and then she ends up finally being in a relationship that's not what she expected but it gives her what she wants and by the end of the season she, her body's able to like finally open up to more and it's it's lovely oh, beautiful. Um, and there's like a whole there's another character that uh comes to terms with his bisexuality and he makes this grand gesture but it's in a love triangle so like even though the grand gesture is something we love we see the third person getting hurt by it it's like mm. it's it's a nice balance of everything so i highly recommend it um well we know what happens in the end now but <laughs> i haven't said nothing no bullshit uh i just I, I came off of another show a friend of mine recommended a show on hulu called Dollface to me with kat dennings oh the thing is i was going to watch that because it kind of reminded me of a female version of um Man Seeking Woman. I don't know if you ever watched that show. I, but... I know of that show, yeah. Um, they seemed familiar. It's it's kind of like a real person cartoon-esque. Yeah. Kind of absurd things happen, but it's all real, but it's... No, but that that's the thing. Okay, so I watched all of it because a friend recommended it to me, and there was enough about the first two episodes that I'm like, there there's some stuff here that's good, but yeah. it was very messy and by the time I finished the season, I was like, I actually don't think this is a very good show. Uh-huh. Um, but I kept watching also because it had parallels to a show that I had written in terms of like fantasy sequences. But something that I had discussed with the director when he was reading my scripts, he was like, you need to be very clear about the visual vocabulary. Like, is this actually happening in real time? Is this in a character's mind? Whose mind is it taking place in? Like, that mm. needs to be made very clear to the audience. Otherwise, everyone's going to be like, what are the rules of this world? Yeah. And so I did that. And Man Seeking Woman, I understand, like, did that as well. Where it's like these fantastical elements that were actually very, that were in happening in the world. Yeah, they were actually real world yes. events. They were fantastic. Yes, okay. Dollface... It's these fan- it's these fantasy sequences that it's not clear until like episode five that it's in Kat Denning's mind, but oh. they're not good about it. So like mm. most of the fantasy sequences happen with her, but there's like every now and then things are happening in the world that they're still supposed to be like in her mind, but everyone's like living in it anyway. Like see episode two. She goes with her friends to brunch, but they set it up like it's a church, and these women are going to like a church sermon, but it's brunch, and mm. I'm like, but like all these people who she's like having real conversations with are indulging in this. So like, is this real? Is this in her head? Is she going through like this giant 
Amelie-esque filter where like something's happening in the real world but she's viewing it in a specific way and then she has like these conversations with herself with other characters in her fantasies that are just like so in-depth that I was like this girl either has the most self-awareness of all time and just like can view every perspective in life or these writers are bad Mm. Um, because it's like these conversations where I'm like even the most in-depth person could not have a conversation this deep with just themselves sure you know yeah Um, but so I came from that really kind of liking some of it but disliking a lot of it I was like I just want a really well-written show and sex education came on and was like ah this is it it's just so good I highly recommend it very nice yeah but you know what uh, sex education has nothing in common with Broadway this podcast this podcast Broadway uh, so you should probably get into Broadway a little bit I actually saw something this week um, it's currently in previews but at Roundabout Underground I saw their newest musical um, called Darling Grenadine which is written by uh, Daniel Zychik um I, I wasn't really familiar with him before. I've heard of this musical a couple times because they did it up in good speed, I believe. And then um, they did some other production of it, I want to say maybe in Chicago. Wait, but, is it a musical? Darling? Yeah, it's a okay. musical. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I think I said Roundabout's brand new musical. Maybe. I, per- I heard Roundabout f- Underground. That's what I heard. Yeah, Roundabout Underground's brand new musical. Well, the but, tape. Um, yeah, they... It's really cool. It's directed by Michael Burress. Um, it's in their space. I've seen a lot of shows. And have you seen a lot of shows in their underground space? I don't think I have. I think I've just been to the Laura Pels. I think that's the only. Oh, okay. That's the only theater of theirs that's not Broadway that I've been to. Yeah. So the underground space is right underneath the Laura Pels, um, and it's it's really cool. I mean, like it's it's a great black box off-Broadway theater. Okay. I've seen it set up in multiple different ways, but what's really cool about this one, and I think, I believe they said that it was the first time they've done a musical down in this space that was like this. Maybe it was even any show that they've done in this space that was like this, but they did it in the round, and so, um, yeah, it's just kind of two rows in a, in a big circle, and everything happens uh, in the round, which was really fun and exciting because I haven't seen a off Broadway musical in the round in a while. Yeah, I think I've only the only shows I've seen in the round that are musicals were Once on This Island and Fun Home. I don't think I've seen yeah and musicals to that. And to me, Circle in the Square is like you know it's in the round, but it also can be like kind of whatever. They yeah, sometimes make it it's more flexible. thrust. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was really cool. Uh, it's it's clever. It's very very charming. It was interesting, too, because we happened to see it with someone who had seen it up in good speed, and um, it it does a really great job of... It kind of starts in this kind of stylized... It's set in modern day, but the musical is kind of like poppy jazz, Mm -hmm. kind of evokes an era that is of a different time, but still really modern, which I enjoyed. Um, and it stars Adam Cantor and Emily Walton, who I know Emily Walton because I went to school with her brother, but her dad also is of, um, I think her dad's Jim Walton or Bob. Of Merrily. Yeah, of, of, of Merrily Merrily. Fame, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I, I think it's Jim Walton. It's either Jim or Bob. I, no, I forget which. Oh, well, if it's Merrily, then it's Jim Walton. I, I, I can't remember which brother it is. That's the thing. I think it is. I think it's Jim. Anyways. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, it's basically kind of this boy meets girl story, you know, not, nothing that that really rocks the boat off to begin with, but it's it starts off kind of stylized and really 
in a in a peppy, sugary, sweet kind of place where you're like, oh, this is really charming, but I, I wonder where it's gonna go. And yeah. then it starts dealing with some really darker stuff and you know, things kind of shift, and it, it's a really cool juxtaposition of a really dark side of uh, someone's human experience with this really light, bubbly score and kind of, um, not scenario, but kind of trope that, that we've all seen before and witnessed. Sure. And, and it, I, I, I guess in the previous versions, it had been even more so of an MGM musical juxtaposed with with something, um, you know, uh, underground, kind of uh, Lower East Side theater, gritty. Yeah. We're going to talk about humanity and, and, and the darker side of that. And so in the past, it was a lot more of that. They've kind of bridged the gap so that it's not so jarring, I guess. But mm-hmm. it, the way that I described it was it, it's kind of like a jazzy little music box that opens up, but also has some some real shit in it. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really clever. Um, one of the things that I thought was really, really funny, though, was we happened to go on a donor night. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think I've ever been in the audience at a donor night. I have performed in donor nights before. And... <laughs> I just have to say, it is truly so interesting to witness people who give so much money to theater just sit and watch these shows with just grumpy looks on their face. Yeah. Apparently the cast afterwards was, was very upset and kind of were thinking, oh no, is this is this how it's, it's going to be? You know, like, yeah. was it us? And, I, and I've been in that situation too where you, you don't know, you, you think, oh, maybe, maybe we've just been playing to houses that have been very kind and now these people are the real ones. But yeah. there's just something about playing for a house of donors that is extremely um, terrifying mm-hmm. because... Fun fact, I guess people with money just don't have a lot of joy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> or time for joy or, or or the room to express joy. I've never had a lot of money, so I'm not going to speak for them because I don't understand their life experience. Uh, but I have the feeling that a lot of them don't. Yeah. That's, one of, that's my understanding. This is really funny because in my experience, there have been so many times where producers or someone will really really talk a night up and, and, you know, say, oh, it's going to be so exciting that donors are coming to see it. They're so excited. They put so much money into it. And then you get up there on stage and it's just this sea of brick walls holding sharp, jagged knives. Like, there's something always slightly standoffish about them. And that's that's a juxtaposition I'm interested in exploring. (laughs) You should write something about them and what's going on inside of them. Yeah, donors. I mean, roundabout. Not. I'm not gonna. Not to throw shade at them, but I saw soldiers play a few weeks ago at American Airlines, and like roundabout audiences have always sort of mystified me in mm. terms of like the donors and the patrons and all that stuff. Just like their taste and and like how little they're willing to like push themselves to try something new. But that's what's great about the underground and 
especially like the work that like Jill Rafson is doing there with their new playwrights initiative. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know this, but when someone gets a play produced down in the underground mm-hmm. roundabout automatically gives them their second commission. Oh wow. Yeah. So the roundabout underground is a really, really wonderful place. And, and, and I think roundabout is self-aware enough where they realized that they were kind of getting that reputation mm-hmm. where they were like, let's foster new artists so that we're not just doing another production of the importance of being earnest. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say no to another production of The Importance of Being Earnest. Neither would I. I I was actually thinking of that recently. I was like, I really want there to be another production of The Importance of Being Earnest. However, years ago, I was in for a production that had this kind of uh, framing device. And I feel like you don't like framing devices. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm misremembering, or I'm only just thinking about the Fiddler of I Yeah, I think that's what you're remembering. (laughs) But... This production I went in for had a really cool framing device that had been approved by like the Oscar Wilde estate or something Mm -hmm. where they actually let the whole production of an earnest be somewhat of a fever dream or somewhat of a um, drunken dream of Oscar Wilde. Mm -hmm. And every... it was an all male cast, and so all the females were played by by men, men. Yeah. and so it was it was really interesting and really a, a queer kind of look into what Oscar Wilde's gay version of yeah. the importance of being Ernest was, and I thought I want to see that here. Yeah, I have you know I have no problem with framing devices. Uh, it's more like you can tell when things are sort of tacked on and they don't fit, mm. and it's like the director being like, "I'm doing something new." Yeah, and I'm like. Eh, Blow it up your ass. Uh, but that sounds awesome. I like that idea. No, I mean, and I definitely give Roundabout a lot of credit for bringing new stuff. I mean, Scotland, PA, hello. But exactly. Yeah, no, it was just interesting sitting at uh, Soldier's Play because it's the same experience of watching Kiss Me Kate, these two productions where I'm like, these aren't like bad. They're just sort of like fine, but this audience is sopping it up like it is opening night with Ethel Merman and Gypsy. Mm. Whereas when I, I saw Violet three times at the American mm. Airlines and like that audience could not have given less of a shit. And oh, I, really? I, it would, there was a clear divide in that audience of not to be ageist, but of the under 40 crowd mm. that was living for it. And then the older crowd that was, you know, had just come off of, uh, like pajama game and I don't think on the 20th century it happened yet but they were like waiting for it that kind of thing yeah and they were sitting there and being like what's this like simple set and Sutton Foster's wearing no makeup and people are crying and and there's there's a scar that everyone's talking about that you don't see where's the scar Betty (laughs) Betty I don't see no scar Betty it's not in any place you can see, George. Mm. Mm. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, like this is not what the majority of roundabout audiences are used to. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because when you think about uh, Cabaret when it came out in the 90s, like that was such a huge hit for roundabout. Huge hit. Huge hit. Like six year run, something like that. And then a revival. And then a revival, a revival of, of it. Yeah. The, the actual production. Yeah. yeah which was you know its own thing but uh yeah we forget that roundabout has like done stuff like that before because the last 10 years of the of the broadway stuff it has felt a little more of the like on the 20th century noises off she loves me things that the audience that these patrons want to Mm. see and then stuff like the underground was a little more uh I don't want to say interesting because I don't want to disregard classics. Classics sure. are classics for reasons, but you no know, new stuff that's that pushes you a little bit. And so many of the subscribers are like, no, no, 
<laughs> but I do give roundabout credit. They're giving us Carolina change this season. They and are. Like, God, I'm, very, I'm, like, I'm very excited about that. I, so I've awesome. never seen the show. I've never listened to it. I only know a couple songs because I purposely want my first experience to be like a full-fledged, I'm experiencing this show have you listened to like the opening of it or just like specific songs or um i've just heard uh, what's that song salty tear salty teardrop yeah yeah and, and lots wise yeah lots wife is that what did i say lots wife you said lots wise oh i meant wife i definitely yeah. meant wife you... i think i just my syllabus s yeah. <laughs> was just Not a little like was just a little too prevalent yeah if you there I mean, I can't. I don't know how this production will do, but I will just say, musically speaking and dramatically speaking, the opening of that show is just so fantastic. Just the way excited. it all layers on top of each other. I'm just like, oh, God, yes. Thank you, Janine Tesori, with your musical compositions. God, I love a good Janine Tesori musical. Now that we're talking about Violet and Carolina Change. Yeah. Want to talk about Shrek? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I can't fully talk about Shrek because I've only ever seen a regional production of it. Mm. I did start watching the recorded Broadway version that was on Netflix many, many years ago and I got about yeah half hour in and, and I think I just went, you know, not, not tonight. No. And, I've, and I've, never, I've, listened... I've never picked it. it. It hasn't been that night since. No. So. I've listened to the cast album a few times. I actually think it's a quite a good score. Uh, and I did watch that Broadway recording as well. Yeah. I was like, I just think that Broadway production kind of gave the show a raw deal. They were so forced to make it compete with Disney musicals that mm. they, it, they just like got overblown. And mm. I think that if they had given a chance to be a little more creative with it and not so like $50 million on the stage, it, I don't know how long it would have run, but I think it would have had a better reputation at the time sure for such a commercial entity yeah i mean it's it's kind of the similar thing of spongebob you know you look at these big mm-hmm. commercial hits where people kind of can view it as a slam dunk i mean shrek was yeah <laughs> i mean shrek's box office records that it that it ha- held were just so epic and then yeah. they were like everyone's gonna love it because they already love the musical aspects that oh no okay never mind no <laughs> yeah and that's the fickle finger of theater for you the fickle fingering of theater the fickle fingering of theater i mean who would have thunk that like mean girls would have would be taking in as little as it is like just a year and a half into its run like you would think that that show would be running for 10 years yeah well um, but now they just hired um oh yes a social media star wait a, is he still a star i don't know he has like 20 some he has some, millions oh, of followers millions of followers yeah but like you look at the box office numbers for his five-week run and like no one's really going to see him. Mm. Uh, I mean, I also had never heard of him before. Sorry, we're talking everyone about Cameron Dallas playing. Oh, I didn't even know that his name was. Oh, <laughs> girl, you better believe I researched and I figured this shit out because if I'm going to discuss someone being on the Broadway, I'm going to know their fucking names. Can we also pause for one second and say what kind of gay porn name is Cameron, Cameron Dallas? Dallas. <laughs> Come on, Twink. Come on, Twink. <laughs> Literally. If he come were on, on Drag Race, his uh, RuPaul every time he would come on the runway would go, Fort Worth, Houston, <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> and then, uh, and then what's his face would go, hi, Cameron. Hey, Cameron. Um, Cameroon. <laughs> but yeah, he's, yeah, he's a Twinkie little Instagram Vine star, I guess. Is that Vine? If that's what it is, was sure. V- Vine was the thing, right? That was Vi- Vine, Vine was before TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Was there something in between that? I have no clue. I don't care. 
I don't know. Either. I don't care. I still don't understand what TikTok is. I don't know either. Someone started talking about it the other day, and I, I, I literally mm-hmm. just became a pile of old bones. <laughs> yeah, I just I disintegrated immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, I became like Mother Gothel entangled when she dies, and she just like she doesn't even get to hit the ground because she just evaporates into dust. I became like that fish in SpongeBob that was just um, a spine and a wheelchair. It's like oh! <laughs> I became like half of the audience of Kiss Me Kate at Roundabout, and I just went, "What she say, Bob?" I became I became every donor of a musical ever. <laughs> I became Elaine Stritch and Angela Lansbury's cabaret act at the Carlisle, where they just sing. No coward songs till we all get menopause. And where Elaine Stritch is held up on a marionette because she dead. But Angela she Lansbury dead. is yes. <laughs> and we, everyone in the audience gets menopause, even those that are under fifty and those that aren't women. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Cameron Dell. So Cameron Dell. Speaking of menopause, I don't know what they call a menopause. There ain't no men up there in ain't it. No men up in it. Uh, no. Yeah. Have you like read anything about his performance or about sort of how the show's been going with him? Matt, you know I don't know how to find my way around a URL to a message board. You know I don't know well, how to do that. Well, that's what I'm here for then, I guess. <laughs> well, so I read about it, and it's it like infuriated me a bit reading about it. Uh-huh. Because, you, I mean, you have the stupid people who are like, he auditioned and he got the part. I'm like, he auditioned in the sense that they were like reaching out to Instagram yeah. people. Yeah. And we're like, who can kind of do it. Yeah. And so they brought him in to sort of just be like, can you read? Can you put one foot in front of the other? And apparently he could, so he got the part. But like, they cut out half of his musical stuff. Wait, really? So he can't sing is the thing. Everyone who's reported on him, even the people that are like, he's not terrible, or like, he can't sing. Oh, no. And like, people have been recording him in the show, which, you know, illegal, but I'm down with it. And you can hear audiences laughing while he (gasps) sings. Shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not one for like public humiliation when no, someone's. No, that makes and, that makes. And me like it's an, and, and it's a new experience for him, and he's trying and whatnot. But also, it's at the same time, it makes me angry because the number of people, the number of men mm-hmm. who have trained and studied and like have chosen to make this their profession to be as good as they can be to hopefully work in this field at this level, and have to be sidelined. So that way this guy with 22 million followers and can't hold a note Mm. gets to be on a Broadway stage for five weeks. It's just like, it's just like, come look at the freaks from Sideshow, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super shitty is what it is. is. And I, I'm actually a dear, dear friend of mine, Adante Carter is, um, you, you met Adante, I think at my birthday party. I did. He's, uh, he's playing Aaron on the tour. Mm. And so a part of me was like, well, I knew that like the contracts were coming are coming to an end, and I was like, "Oh, maybe a Dante will get bumped up." Mm. And then when this guy got announced, I, I had a moment where I was I was I was I was upset for many reasons. Yeah. I, I think anytime kind of one of these social media stars are announced, people who have trained, who have put the work into it, who mm-hmm. um, bust their ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, over the craft and not over gaining millions of followers. Uh, 
it, it's so it's so frustrating because it, in my mind I was I, I was just so mad I was so mad because yeah. I, I was like that should be a Dante they should have bumped him up because yeah. I'm sure he's amazing I haven't seen him in him yet but it, I, I know him and he's I mean one he's like what a what he, a good friend you he, are he's stunningly gorgeous a Dante is he's one of those people where you just look at him and you're like oh yeah no I remember <laughs> yeah you're I remember like, thinking how attractive he was when I met him I was like I don't want to stand next to you yeah and and then he's he's like sickeningly the biggest sweetheart in the world for real like Ugh. IRL and you're just like fuck Ugh. you I don't like talented. it when hot people are talented. genuinely nice it's yeah. like fuck you you and can't it, be both yeah it's 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 so it's so gay but so, <laughs> he says as he sits in a chair with a with, kimono with, on with the with back with kimono hanging out I was going to actually put it on mid conversation because I was kind of feeling my oats but I, I didn't want to so now, <laughs> I'm, just, now I'm just playing with it I mean, play the, with my kimono play with my kimono kimono come from the Greek word kimono meaning winter what do you wear in winter a robe kimono kimono there you go a big fat Greek wedding oh I've only seen it like once or twice get gayer please I should I say to the man who owns a kimono I um, to the man with a kimono draped across his lap there's the argument where people say well if it's to help you know people buy tickets to, isn't it fine because people are still employed and whatnot? And it's like but at what cost you know yeah, to say yes. like well I'm still you know, I still have the job as long as this guy's in the show but I'm no longer doing something that's challenging or fulfilling fulfilling challenging or fulfilling or you know I am filled with or fur I am, I am filled I am filled far for her fulfilling fulfilling I saw uh, cats and it was very fulfilling uh, there are some people in this world where you look at them and you're like I am fulfilling from you yeah you are fulfilling me you are made to fulfill me uh no, just, I, I, you, you know what I mean? It's I like, do, I It's do. like the ultimate medium place of you get to be on Broadway and be steadily employed for a year, but your co-star is going to be someone who can't sing, dance, or act, and will give you absolutely nothing on stage eight times a week. Yeah, it, it brings up a lot of questions that, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, our society, ever since the, we've become addicted to reality TV mm-hmm. and these creating people who otherwise would not have 15 minutes of fame, giving Mm -hmm. them 15 minutes of fame. It's created just this culture of, uh, here's someone who has 20, or I keep saying 20, it might be two. I I, I know there's a two and then a million. Yeah. (laughs) Millions. I'm just going to say millions. He has millions of followers. And he, did, did he get that because he wanted to create art? Did he want to you know, create humor or did he do it for the attention? And and that's the thing I've been thinking about, about so much recently. And it is a theme that, that's really been running through a lot of facets of my life is, am I creating things for art or for attention? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very fine line in this day and age, but I think it's a really important line to know which you're on the side of. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's also a very freeing line once you are aware of it, because then you realize, oh, kind of, you know, for me, I don't think attention is where it's at. But unfortunately, because of commercialism, attention sells. You know, someone who people are going to give this person with millions of followers attention, so they're going to buy tickets. But but he obviously does not have the skills or the craft to pull it off. Yes. So that's where it's it's this huge disconnect with commercialism and capital. I mean, thank thank God we don't live in a capitalist society. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Um, thank God for a lot of stuff, I suppose. No, I mean... JK. Yeah. The, the, the comforting fact 
for the most part is that usually talent is what outs in the end and that's what persists that's what lasts because you know we have people who become you know instagram stars twitter celebrities whatnot because like our our world has had those people that have become famous for no reason in the past but you know they get their 15 minutes and it's done i would say the issue with the internet now is that they're able to kind of push that fame longer yeah and able to get more out of it and and whatnot i mean like you look at um evelyn nesbitt you know from ragtime who is a real person but like she was famous because she was married to a wealthy man who got who shot somebody yeah. that's what she got famous is she on for. your mind because of the encore episode for last week I don't watch Encore, <gasps> bitch. You watch Encore. I was wondering if you'd started, though. No, I don't um, have Disney they, Plus. They, they did Ragtime, oh and I, it was funny because I actually had forgotten the story of Evelyn Ned- Nesbitt, so yeah. I, I was reading about her a lot last week, so it's funny that you brought her up, but it really is interesting because I was reading all about these parallels of what was going on in that time and what's going on yeah. in this time between, like, the, these kind of, yeah, like, the attention and the yeah. gossip. And she the, was, yeah. she was like a Kardashian. Yes. Um, she was truly famous for, and I would, she probably, I mean, I can't say she was the first celebrity of that kind, but she's the earliest documented celebrity of that kind that I can think of. Because, sure. Because once that happened, that sort of opened the floodgates of society girls becoming uh, celebrities. There's a, actually a lyric in Follies that I lived through Brenda Fraser, who... Brenda Fraser was nobody. She was a, a debutante in New York City who for some reason was famous for like a minute mm. for just being her. Mm. Um, but again, those people... They have nothing else to offer the world, so eventually once everyone's sort of over them, they move on to the next thing. It's the people who have stuff to contribute, I mean, good or bad, but stuff that are contributing to the world that we continually pay attention to. Right. I mean, it's kind of why, even though I do believe that the Kardashians should not be famous, it's kind of why they are brilliant and... I'm not going to use the word brilliant. Fuck that. Kind of why they are business savvy. Yeah. And, you know, they, they as soon as they realize that, like, as soon as one of their projects starts to kind of taper off, mm-hmm. they release something else. You yes. know, what, what is it? I mean, it, it is a brilliance of a sense. It's just applied in a really awful way. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And so that's um, that's really sad about the Mean Girls thing. Yeah. At this point, like, if that's sort of where they're at in terms of keeping it afloat, I would rather they just shut it down. Yeah. Uh, bring in a new work into that theater that, you know, Sure, hire that whole cast again to keep them employed if you want, but like give them a reason to be performing eight times a week. Don't put them on a stage for or an audience that's there to see a twenty-one-year-old Instagram star. Yeah, that is like that is insulting to me. Yeah, I call bullshit. Yeah, um, and I mean it's one thing to do. I don't know, like Christy Brinkley in Chicago or something like that. Chicago has sort of really kind of become a joke in that sense of putting people who have no business being on a Broadway stage in on a Broadway stage but that's also sort of the point of Chicago mm. so in a weird way it's just very meta and also kind of works in that in that way and the show right. is now designed to accommodate those people uh, but yeah I mean if you were to tell me that I don't know like a Bachelor contestant was about to go into Wicked I would say like fuck you you know we're so close to that at this point. Like that's gonna oh, yeah. happen. Yeah, 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 for sure. Ugh. Yeah, no. And I'm sorry. I've I I brought it up at our last episode, and I had friends come for me because I talked about sex education. I was like, stop watching The Bachelor and watch something of substance for a second. The number of women in my life who DM'd me, they're like, wow, coming for me in The Bachelor, and I'm like, you can't, you can't, no, no. I. But see, the ba- The Bachelor is a great example of that. 
uh, they're not looking for love; they're looking for attention. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's that it's that huge divide of these these people are on there because they're either going to win and then get followed around for a while until they inevitably break up and like yeah. inevitably break up in a, a week or two or they get picked to be the next, next bachelor bachelorette so you and know it's, it's giving it's, them attention it's all just attention yeah. attention attention and blah, blah, blah. go to fucking therapy yeah well i'm like i we all need like our idiot time we all need our you know lazy shit i just think there are some things that we just need to shut down like if you want something like I'd rather you watch a CBS sitcom for your stupid downtime than The Bachelor. Then, uh, you know, I'm trying to think what else there is. Or like Big Brother. Just people who have no business becoming known. And these, these enterprises that at best are uh, trying to force the human experience for storytelling. And at worst are just sociopathic people mm-hmm. oh for sure who are mimicking the human experience for fame and attention Just, like why are we giving them that attention why 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 john why I don't know. I, th- I think I think we're all broken and we should just stop. Yeah, but and so I, we solved it. We did. We did. But I I will say when I and I like these plenty of them were like actual friends of mine who like but I mean I watched the bachelor and I'm like no, sorry. Yeah, I'm not going like I love you. I'm not going to give you an inch on this. Yeah. It's, it's 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 a legitimately terrible thing, and yeah. I don't, I don't think better of you for uh, giving it attention. Yeah, the last reality show that I watched that was like that was um, "Are You the One," and it was their uh, uh, sexual orientation fluid season, which is the only reason why I watched it because our friend okay. our friend Lindsay was obsessed with it, and she told me you have to watch it, and I did, and it was quite addicting, and I did. I did have some other reasons for watching it at the time, but it was so I I, I felt so icky also watching it because yeah. I was watching these people um, just keep making really really bad decisions, and it's it, I just want I did just want to reach out and be like, honey, go go to a therapist. You yeah. need you need to deal with this trauma. I mean, you yeah. need to, you need to stop bench drinking. <laughs> you need to stop and bench stop, drinking and sitting on all the dicks. Stop stop throwing hands, uh, you know, with with these strangers. Stop throwing drinks in people's faces and like actually discuss what's going on inside with Bethany. Yeah, but it, exactly. But it's uh, I guess audiences are addicted to it because there is kind of this weird you, uh, you know, it's we love stars because you know stars in, in the in the world of acting like Audra McDonald because they show us what a human does behind closed doors. You know, we believe yeah. that they are truly alone and mm-hmm. reacting how they would as if this you know X Y and Z happens to them in a room and no one else is watching. And we go, wow, how brave! And so we kind of see that in these reality TV show characters because we think, wow, this is how someone's really reacting in this real moment. And we're really getting a peek into the real human experience. But um, you're just getting a peek into a really sad person. Yeah. Well, it's (laughs) it's almost like... A really sad, manipulated person. I guess it's sort of like why people love to follow celebrities on Instagram and Twitter because it's sort of... They feel like they are being brought into this inner circle of Mm -hmm. intimacy with them. And... This idea of, well, I'm now in this sort of exclusive club of, you know, did you see what Britney posted? She posted this thing and, mm-hmm. oh my, how brave her. And it's, that's all curated as well. Like, yeah. all of social media is curated, even yeah. for 
a nobody like me and a somebody like you. If someone like you could love you ta- someone like me. It's like, is Robert Goulet in the room? Who are you talking to? I don't know. Something, I Robert Goulet's ghost? Michelle Williams has not seen anything that I've put out onto the internet. That's all I'm saying. You don't know that. And I'm in the top you, 75 of the large fat screenwriting competition. You're, you're not completely positive of that. That's a false claim. That is a false claim. I can't speak for everything Michelle Williams has and hasn't done. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, mean, I I just I have nothing else to say about that. I want I would like to end. I'm this. done giving them attention. I'm done giving them attention. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're so good. Yeah. Um, in my mind, we've been recording for an hour and a half, and I'm like, I've been talking John the air off. <laughs> I want to move back away from the stupidity and awfulness of the Bachelor, and move to the interestingness of an off Broadway musical I saw on Friday. Yes. Uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. I didn't know that was a musical. It is. Well, is it- it's a musical in the sense that they're singing okay. and it's new music. Okay. But is it a musical? Uh, TBD. I, I, I don't know because I just found out a couple seconds ago. <laughs> TBD. So this is from the new group that's housed at Signature Center on 42nd Street. And it's written by Duncan Sheik. Oh, and okay. Amanda Green helps contribute lyrics. And then, I already forgot his name. I think John Mark Sherman, I think is his name. He wrote a play called Women in Wallace. And that's the only thing of his that I've ever been aware of. It's based off of a movie from 1969. This, this musical. musical. Yeah, okay. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. It's based off of a movie of the same name. And, it, okay. So, it's about two couples that are very close friends in the late 60s and they are sort of late 20s early 30s which to put in the 2020 standards is like mid 40s you know early 50s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just in terms of you know you're settled down you're married you have kids you have your job like you're li- you've been living your life for a few years by that point like you are in a routine and they're sort of the the movie was sort of meant to be sort of a satire and platform for the free love movement okay because one of the couples, the like the instigating factor is that one of the couples goes to this retreat for a weekend where they come back and they're just like, ah, freed. And like, mm-hmm. and they, there's a scene where they're, ta- where the other couple at a restaurant, and they're like, don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you feel. Mm, very crystals, very yeah. feather. Yes. Very so, my apartment with sage. Exactly. Like yeah. one of the jokes is uh, the other couple, because they're very uptight, the other couple, she's like, what do you think? She, and like, what do you feel? And the woman in the other couple's like, I feel like I need to use the bathroom and I feel like I want you to join me. It's that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And you know, it's, it, the movie is, has moments of legitimate humor. And then the the other thing that kind of breaks the fabric of it all is that the couple that goes away on this retreat comes back and it's all about being open and honest and, and airing anything that you've resented about the other one and whatnot. And the husband reveals to his wife that on a business trip he had an affair. He slept with another woman mm. and thinking she's going to be upset. And she realizes, I'm not upset. I'm not even jealous. Like, do you love this woman? No. It was just sex. Yes. She goes, well then, here we are. It's fine. And then like, okay. but but it also feels somewhat performative because they keep on bringing it up. Sure. And it's, and, and they always like, and every send every uh, conversation about it with an "I love you, I love you," and they just start making out. So, and they call the other woman San Francisco. She's like, "Tell me about San Francisco. What like all this other stuff? Is she better than me? Is she prettier than me? I love you. Let's make out. Like that kind of thing." <laughs> I like the idea of just like naming uh, 
your random infidelity after the tell city me, that I was in. Tell me about Altoona. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Tell me about Poconos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me about Albuquerque. But then, like, it sort of builds into this thing where then she has an affair and, like, ra- and he originally gets mad, but rather than do anything about it, they, like, sit around and have a drink with the guy she slept with and then okay. the other couple, like, analyzes their relationship and like they're all gonna finally they're like well let's have an orgy together but then they but then they don't do it it's okay yeah the movie is also like kind of boring because a lot of the stuff that it discusses is stuff that has been discussed better since then mm. it was like one of the first things to discuss it sure. but it's been discussed better since then sure. so the musical follows the movie very closely to okay. the point where you're like this scene is directly from the film but you know it doesn't work because in the film you have close-ups you've got editing it's like Mm. the pacing can be uh done in a certain light and this is all one unit set with like a couch and two love chairs and then the band is on stage and they have this like band leader who plays all the other roles but she doesn't really play them play them she does the voices for them from behind them all okay and she does it in sort of an npr voice yeah so like when jen damiano sleeps with this other man and uh, Joel Perez is like come on out man and the woman's like I don't know if I want to I don't, maybe I don't know and it's like what what and when I say like is it a musical also please like I know I'm talking a lot so no no no, no 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 ask I, questions no I, I, I'm just tickled by the by the idea of like there's supposed to be this sexy moment in a, in a play or a musical and all of a sudden the, the voice we hear is <laughs> I'm Sarah Koenig, and this is Sarah, you know. <laughs> this is This American Life. Uh, yeah, no, it's a lot of that. And the music, I mean, the music is very era appropriate. You listen to it, you're like, yeah, this feels very late 60s, early 70s, but it's a lot of like groovy, like, and they, a lot of menominas. And they do the whole like old school Spring Awakening thing where they sing into microphones a lot. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, like there are like mics on two sides of the stage. Two sides. There are mics on both sides of the stage. <laughs> and I don't know how sides. So like, the, and, and, okay. and they they are unmiked for the show, and it's you know it's, oh. a, it's a small theater, so okay. you you hear them for the most part. But then like they go into the mics and they come out of the mics, and it's 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 or what's what I'm looking for? Audibly weird. It's it's like an imbalance almost. Sure. And the songs kind of flow in and out. It's like thirty second songs that stop and start. And they end and you're like, what was the purpose of that? Mm. So when they come back from the retreat and they're talking to their friends at the restaurant, they like stand up on the chairs and like, who doesn't want to sing in a crowded restaurant? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they have another song where they're like, everybody wants to be naked. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then it like, as soon as it starts, it stops. And you're like, okay. So I've gone in with my editor and he was, and my editor is, you know, an mid 50s gentleman who's like very I don't say has conservative taste but he's he's not he doesn't think outside the box a lot mm-hmm. um he posts a lot of stuff on Facebook about musical theater lyrics where I'm like Michael this is you know that this is like an implication and a joke like this is not literally and he's like I don't get this line literally speaking I'm like you're not meant to right uh so he we went and he was like I've been told this is the worst thing ever and I was like I'm glad we're seeing it <laughs> yeah and we saw it and it's not the worst thing ever it's just very boring but Ben Brantley was there and I pee next to Ben Brantley and I really wanted to turn to him and go so did you think Aaron Tveit gave a good acting performance in Moulin Rouge because you really enjoyed him but I didn't do it I didn't do it I also wanted to be like Exa- explain to me again how that carousel revival was good 
Explain to me again how... Kevin Brantley would have loved that. If Explain he was just to me mid, again If how... he was just midstream. Midstream. You just, you just weasel your way into, like, over there, cross streams, and mm-hmm. be like, fuck you. Fuck you. Remind <laughs> me again how Amargo Fuck Himself gave an amazing Broadway debut in Carousel. Remind me again. Remind me again. Amargo Fuck Himself? No. Amar... Uh, I think it's oh oh oh, oh, oh. I, I just call I, him, I call him a Margot fuck himself. I thought you said Margot fuck himself, and I was like, I've never heard Who's of this Mar- person, but I I know who you're yes. saying. That that's my nickname yes. for Margot Martindale. The, 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 that's what I well, that's what I heard. <laughs> I was like, Margot, what? Margo um, do you watch BoJack Horseman? Have we discussed that? I do. We have uh, four or five episodes left because they just released the final yes. episode. Oh, so. I know. I watched them. Oh, so you've seen the ending? I've I've seen the ending. Okay, yeah, we, the, are, we aren't there yet. But. The second to last episode. It, is you you're gonna need a minute afterwards? Oh, I believe you specifically. I believe it. No, I I'm very excited for it. I I, I took a long break from that show because mm-hmm. uh, it, there was a moment where I was extremely uh, suffering from depression, and if you can believe it, a show about <laughs> depression that's very depressing. Yeah, and uh, it isn't like the most fun to watch when you're going through it yourself. Yeah. So I took about two or three years off from watching it, and then just a couple weeks ago I actually said okay I'm ready to rewatch this show mm-hmm. so I watched I think it was season 4 or 5 and is this season 6 now or season yeah, 7? Yeah season 6 in two parts Yeah so I, I watched 4 or 5 and then season 6 the first part had just come out so we watched that first part mm-hmm. um, and I, I do love the show so much I'm, 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 sad, that, I'm sad that it's ending it's so clever and so yeah, kind of. I mean, Diane was talking about this whole kind of attention thing and writing her book and, and, mm-hmm. and one of the characters in the show. And it was just, uh, once again, I thought, Bojack, why did you think of the thing that I've been thinking of before and you have a larger yeah. platform? Fuck you. You're Fuck so, you. You're so yeah, smart. That whole episode with Diane where she's writing and can't like mm-hmm. make it work. I was like, never and have she, I... She seen... can't word. <laughs> she can't word. Is that this 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 not good English we'll fix later? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. It's... I think it's actually like this not right English will fix later. Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole episode where the character of Diane is trying to write her book and the way they sort of dramatize it is in a way I was like, this is, I mean, I can't speak for every person, but for me, I was actually on a date last night with somebody who's a reporter and he was like, I really love writing. Like the act of writing is just like, I, I enjoy it so much. And I was like, kind of like, go fuck yourself. Because uh, I was like, if I'm in the like stream of it, if it's mm-hmm. like if I'm if I'm riding that train, if the muses have visited you, yeah, like it's yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I have to like force myself to write and to not think about what I'm writing, and then I go back and look at it and edit it, and I'm like, is this anything? Is this not anything? And the way that they portray that on BoJack Horseman with Diane's book is just like. It's brilliant because of how accurate it is mm-hmm. to, at least to my process as well. And I'm assuming yours, since you connected to it as well. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. I mean, just the whole, her whole struggle with, uh, I mean, I love that they just literally said the sentence in the episode we watched last night is my trauma special. Yeah. You, you know, that that's, that's so um, applicable because mm-hmm. we have so many outer stimuli and we've, we've witnessed so many people, I mean you could wake up every morning and there's a new video of someone who's gone through complete... I mean, just a couple days ago, 
Kobe Bryant and his daughter died in a heli- helicopter crash. And you and you yeah. look at that his poor wife and daughters, and and you're like, wow, what a traumatic experience. And and there's a lot of focus on that. And then, you know, you, you kind of look at your own life, and you're like, well, is my trauma special? Am I am I just a whiny bitch? Am mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been given so many amazing things that I'm not dead. Yeah. My my husband and daughter haven't died in a plane tra- crash. I, you know, you start comparing traumas, yeah. which is a really dangerous road to go down because all of our traumas are special yeah well every trauma is special in its own way i actually i would say where we're at right now in terms of our i don't want i'm tired of using the word society but where we're at in this world in terms of trauma is that it's gotten to the point where people are like using their injustices or the trauma that they've experienced or the or the elements of who they are that the world won't accept as a rite of passage of you're not allowed to speak or Mm. give me any opinion or any artistic input unless you have had something against you at one point Mm -hmm. and which is using trauma as collateral yeah exactly that's the that is using trauma as collateral or yeah um or as like a savings account of you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna cash in on this trauma now so i can say what i want to say and it's in a way, it's almost sort of like reverse bullying of, of, you know, well, I've been rejected by society. And so now I am going to reject you because you've had so much going for you that nothing you say is is applicable to me. Sure. And, theref- and therefore, if it's not applicable to me, therefore, it is not worthwhile. Mm. And I think that it's also very a very dangerous thing to think and to enforce. Yeah. Um, and it limits people who are trying to create something because then they think to themselves, well, I've had all these wonderful things in my life. Who am I to complain? It's like, you mm-hmm. you can still complain, but just don't use it as a way to say, like, I am the ultimate victim. Right. Use it to grow and be better and use it for your art if you're an artist or your work if you're not an artist. Yeah. We're all artists in our own way. Yeah, we all are. Um, yeah, but I, and I think that's sort of where Diane eventually goes with, with her stuff in BoJack Horseman. Is of, she spent so many seasons being, like, the trauma of my life. And now she's like, you know what? I'm... I'm using it to create something and i'm not using it to complain anymore Mm -hmm. um and to make and to make good in the world even if it's not how i originally envisioned doing that good yeah um which i love i diane is puts it on this pedestal like i must create the important work i must make the next schindler's list Mm -hmm. and princess carolyn's kind of like yeah you could but if like that's not coming easily to you and this other thing is who's to say that it's like less worthwhile it's still giving people something to go off of right yeah. Yeah. I mean, a children's book, Hello Moon, has touched millions. Yeah, especially I'm rereading Harry Potter again. Like, <laughs> I, I've read To Kill a Mockingbird twice in my life and loved it both times, but I reread Harry Potter every fucking yeah. year. Yeah. And I mean, that's why we do this podcast, John. To read Harry Potter. To read Harry Potter. Well, I mean, <laughs> to reread Harry like, Potter. there's Pod Saves America and there's like Love It or Leave It, but then there's Broadway Breakdown. Yeah. And we really just help people grow and expand as individuals. Yeah. Ah. Um, I think on that note, <laughs> we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Just, this has been an interesting one. It has. I'm tr- I feel like we've covered a um, smorgasbord yeah. well, <laughs> of topics as we normally do. Of a but... podcast where like there truly is no structure, this has felt like the most structureless episode, and yet we've covered so much. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I, I feel like this one feels very... Um, very just uh, grabbing this, grabbing that, grabbing mm. that. But they all are under the umbrella of humanity. Mm. To quote Diane 
does it how do you say your last name nugan 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 i believe yeah it's to quote diane nugan is this anything yeah is this anything that's one of my favorite things she's writing she's like and then boston and boston and me in life and is this anything yeah was this episode anything i don't know like and subscribe and tell us (laughs) but if you're still listening to it then i guess i someone dm'd me the other day a listener dm'd me the other day to say that they were writing a review for us and i think by requesting to make them so gay i was like so gay and talk about smile and sally murphy people are like now feeling the pressure to out gay each other and write something that we're gonna find funny at this point just like write anything you just give us five stars and be like like podcast like like it me like it yes what do you mean? Matt's like threat to write a funny. <laughs> I never a, say funny. I say just, a, just, I say yes, I say, you, yes, you I say make it gay. I say make it fucking gay. <laughs> write us gay, gay, gay reviews. You've definitely been like. You've definitely mentioned like your essay must include this. It yeah. must have this many jokes. It must have this many references. What? Well, yeah. Two bottoming. Two bottoming. Um, puns <laughs> yeah at this point i'll just take what i can get i'm a i'm the sad lonely girl at the bar at the end of the night thinking i'm gonna find jake gyllenhaal and i'm like i'll take the the bar back that looks like uh mario lopez after mario lopez is beautiful no, so what? Not, what? no what? that's what i'm thinking of that's what i'm thinking what? of george lopez oh, george lopez very different lopez very different lopez <laughs> they are not related to jennifer lopez i don't know any of that um yeah no i I feel that um yeah Yeah. who should we have sing us out today that's a great question um who have we talked about anyone no not really um i have on my phone i took a screenshot of all the people we've done uh i'm trying to think because we did last time was Karen Olivo. Karen Olivo. Um, have we done Jen Colello? Why is she? She's like popping into my head right now. Maybe maybe because of Joel Perez being in Fun Home and then Fun. Oh, and Home. she just did Fun Home with Caitlin, right? Jen, Jen Colella. Yes. They did like site specific one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Um, we haven't done Jen Colella. I was actually, and you know what? For a second, I was like, what could we? Post that's Jen Kalel, and then I immediately thought of like two songs. Yeah, exactly. And she's doing um, unsinkable. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's Beth, Malone. Beth Malone. Oh, Jesus Christ, that was offensive. Wow, not all lesbians are the same, John. That's... You should know that as a lesbian yourself. I know they're they're going to come for me. <laughs> no, that's why they're lesbians because they can't come for you. No wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 